Dear Grandpa, The world is at war again. That's twice now, in your lifetime. Your only son has been overseas for eleven months. The last you heard, he and his fellow soldiers were going to make a beachhead landing on the shores of the Philippines. If your boy John was involved, you can bet it went off like gangbusters. He is nineteen years old and remarkably good at life. If there were a way to spy on him at this moment, you'd see a young man wrapped inside an army-issue poncho and sleeping in the corner of a rice paddy. Artillery is firing across the road, but that sound is lost in the rain, which falls in thick black sheets, and your boy sleeps long enough for that rain to surround and lift him. When he wakes, he is floating on his back. He will hit the double decades in two and a half weeks, and you have a plan that's been brewing. You go to the only bakery you know, which is two towns over. The woman behind the counter is wiping her eyes on her apron by the time you ask to buy the biggest loaf of rye bread she has. She's just gotten an earful about your son and refuses to charge you for the bread, also throwing in a few cinnamon buns. You thank her up and down and tell her you enjoy the way her blouse matches her eyes. You have a bottle of gin for the drive back, but you run out of it around the same time you run out of fuel and have to pull over to the side of the road. You hitch a ride back to the house with a nice fella, a miner like yourself, and tell him about your plan for your son's birthday. You are open to strangers. Aside from that, it's a darn good plan. In 43 years, your granddaughter will be found hitchhiking by the side of the road near San Francisco. She will stand there with two young men who'll encourage her to hike up her skirt and look as winsome as possible by the off-ramp. They will have constructed a sign out of cardboard to catch the eye of someone nice enough to pull over. The sign will say, Marin, please, we've read Sart. They'll get a ride fairly quickly from a fellow who sees only a girl with a sign, but when he stops, the two boys will come running out from behind a bush. The boys will stuff themselves inside that tiny car and thank the man for his generosity before he can protest. In an hour or so, your granddaughter will enter a coffee shop with one of the boys. They will have empty stomachs and less than two dollars between them. They have a plan, though. The girl goes off to a corner table by herself while the boy scans the joint for someone to beat at poker. She will eat breakfast slowly, setting down her book in between bites of croissant with strawberry jam only ordering a hot chocolate when the boy gives her the signal that he is winning and they will be able to pay for their food. A man will notice her and attempt to sit across from her, but she will give him a blank stare as she points to the boy who has seen the man approaching. The boy will narrow his eyes and give him the universal sign for scram, and as the man skulks away, she will go back to her book, which is, incidentally, The Age of Reason by Jean-Paul Sartre. It will start to rain as the group drives across the Golden Gate Bridge. Your granddaughter loves the rain, as you do, the grandfather she'll never meet. By the time she's born, you are dead, and your wife has married your brother. Your granddaughter never thought much about the fact that instead of Grandma and Grandpa, it was always Grandma and Uncle George. When she gets older, she'll wish she'd met you, as you are the subject of many stories that are told and retold within the family. It's better that you know none of this now, though, as you return home and head to the kitchen.
You get a handful of crackers from the bread tin to eat with liverwurst before you set about your business. You put the loaf of bread on the counter and look at it for a moment. This makes you smile. The sight of the bread and your own cleverness, they almost make your eyes wet. You slice the bread through the middle and dig out the guts down to the crust. Picking out the innards, you ball them up in your hand and stash that fist bread in the icebox for your wife to come across. She may need them as meatloaf filler if she is short some beef. You are always thinking of others. You take the bottle of hard Kentucky whiskey from its bag and admire the label, which is blurry. You nearly fall off the kitchen stool trying to read it. A sip of moonshine from a jar in the icebox feels like a swell idea. You stand with your hand on the refrigerator door and sway, letting the cold out. The candle is a problem. You have a heck of a time.